This podcast is brought to you by Buteyko Clinic International. Become a registered Buteyko practitioner under the tutelage of renowned expert Patrick McEwen. To register, go to butecoclinic.com and click on the Teach It tab. FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. And joining me on the line today is naturopathic royalty, Mim Bean. She's been practicing naturopathy for nearly 30 years. She's written nine books, was a long-term columnist for Sunday Telegraph's Body and Soul, Sun Herald's Tempo, Good Health and Medicine and Family Circle. She appears on ABC Radio Out Orange Way, regional ABC. She helped create and star in two Foxtel series and is a regular on morning television. She was the Triple J naturopath for seven years in the early 1990s and another four years with ABC's Nightlife host, Tony Delroy. Mim lectures to naturopathic students at the Australian College of Natural Therapies, AC&T, and Endeavour College in Sydney. She has two practices, one in Barrel in the Southern Highlands, the other in the heart of Sydney. She is a fellow of the Naturopaths and Herbalists Association of Australia, NHAA, a full member of the Australian Society of Authors, and also a fellow of Buteyko Professionals International. Recently, she's been honoured with the award Excellence in Practice, Naturopathy and Herbal Medicine by the 2017 Bioceuticals Integrative Medicine Awards, the Beamers. In 2011, Mim travelled to the US to study with Patrick McEwen, world-renowned expert in the Buteyko breathing technique. And since that time, Mim has been teaching the Buteyko breathing technique and says it has transformed her practice. Mim, I warmly welcome you to FX Medicine to talk about Buteyko breathing. How are you? I am very well and thank you so much for asking me. You are naturopathic royalty, Mim, I've got to say. You've done so much for not just your patients, but also the profession. Um, Indeed. You make me blush, Andrew. (laughs) The up-and-coming new Mims. Um, (laughs) So take us through a little bit of this career history, because by goodness, you would have seen some changes. Yeah, Andrew, I absolutely have, and I am so happy the way the industry is is now and it's just growing and growing um so you know when i when i first started uh no one knew what a naturopath was they'd often say can you read my tea leaves <laughs> and yeah, and and now pretty much everyone and their dog um has a naturopath mm. and so i think it's become uh in the you know and i, and I think like Blackmores, Biocyticals, Biocyticals, Blackmores have, have uh, the companies have um, helped it grow in the in the public mind as well. So I think there's been a bit of a partnership there. Yeah, well, indeed, that's and, where that's uh, where Blackmores started, wasn't it? With Morris Blackmores up in Queensland. Yep, with Morris. Mm. Yep, absolutely, Morris. And then uh, Marcus taking over the reins. So I actually worked at Blackmores in the 80s um, oh. when I graduated when there was just three naturopaths there. Yeah. And now it's just huge. Wow. Yeah, so it is really interesting the way it's gone. And, you know, I guess we, we, we're embracing evidence-based medicine. And, and now, you know, people, people uh, although the general public are aware of naturopathy, I don't think that the knowledge of how well we're trained 
the depth of knowledge that we have and and the, and that we can hold our own. We can say, well, you know, yes, I want you to have ginger, I want you to have ginkgo, whatever it is, and actually say, and here are the studies. Mm. And so even though they've been used for years and years, we now actually have the um, you know research backup, which fortunately, unfortunately, you need nowadays. Yes, So I think right. that that's the next step for the general public to realise how professional our um, industry is. Mm. I think the the downfall that people can fall into with evidence-based medicine is thinking that it is only the double-blind placebo-controlled randomised trial, um, mm. whereas, the, I, you know, I famously quote a famous paper, you know, Smith & Pell that was published, I think it was 2003, in BMJ, and that's basically, you know, avoiding gravit- um, avoiding traumatic injury from gravitational challenge via parachute jumping. Who wants to go in the placebo arm of that trial? <laughs> you know, and it's kind of yep. um, mm. Professor Karen Phelps famously quoted this in saying, you know, you need to look further than just the RCT. And certainly, it, it it you know is important to develop guidelines and things like that. Certainly on a population level, but when you're dealing with Mrs. Jones, who's in front of you the population treatment might not work for her. So you then go down the levels and you find something that helps her. In the end, you have to help somebody. And that is... No, I, I, I agree entirely. And, you know, it's often the most simple things, like um, like breathing, for example, yeah. that will make the change. But I am pleased that we're able to hold our own yes. nowadays. Yes. Mm. So let's talk about Buteyko, because I remember years ago... And I thought it had level two evidence for um, helping people with asthma, but it seems to be going yeah. through this sort of: do we agree with it? Don't we agree with it? Does the medical profession accept it? Doesn't it? Where is it? They don't know about it. Yeah, they, they're the only trials, and this is something we need to look at in Buteyko Land. The only trials have been on asthma, and they've actually been outstanding. Hmm. So symptoms are reduced, and medications reduced. And I think so. Look, I'll, I will up the, the, the journals. I, I don't have them. I can't remember them. But, the, you know, I think there's about five or six trials mm-hmm. that were very all positive, all positive. And so that and that's the way I was introduced to it. So, in fact, I was on Triple J at the time and uh, in the late 80s, mm. uh, no, early 90s, and a fellow who taught Buteyko was pestering me to try it so I could promote him, really. And I had asthma. And so I knew at that stage that it was meant to be good for asthma. So I did it. I just did it for three days in a row, one hour a day. I never had asthma from that day to this. Wow. So I always thought, oh, it is good for asthma. And I'd always say to my patients with asthma, I'd say, you should check this out. Mm. They never did. So in uh, 2011, I decided that I would actually then become a Buteyko practitioner so that I just have another string to my bow uh, that I'd be able to help those patients with asthma. And I looked around. I didn't like the way it was taught in Australia. So I found uh, a guy called Patrick McEwen, who's an Irishman, who studied with Constantine Buteyko. So Buteyko was a Russian uh, medical researcher researching the effect of breathing on hypertension. He died in 2003, so I was just a little bit late to learn from him. Mm. So I decided that Patrick had studied with him. So I went over to Los Angeles where Patrick was giving a training. And I'm pretty glass half empty, Andrew. I went over. It was at the end of the year, you know, when your practice is not so great. No one really wants to see a naturopath to be told they can't have that champagne and pump pudding. (laughs) 
<laughs> so <laughs> in December, I, I went over and uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to hate him. I'm going to hate the people. I'm going to learn nothing. It's going to be a waste of time and money. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the way my mind goes. Yeah. And instead, I am the used car salesman of breathing. It would just bowl me over what this simple technique can do. And it's not just asthma. It's anxiety and, you know, the effects of anxiety and stress on the body. Yep. It's for it, – so there are a number of ways it works and it, it uh, works at a very deep level. And what it does is it, is it actually changes via neuroplasticity the respiratory centers. So you, you learn the technique by doing some breathing exercises, but then – the the changes stay. It's not that you then need to keep on doing it. And it's such ah. an elegant treatment. Yeah. You know, I mean, herbs are fantastic. Supplements are fantastic. But, you know, if the person needs to keep on taking them, then that's, you know, a bit of a pain in the neck. You're running into patient compliance. Yep. And it's expensive and a lot of people don't like taking yeah. stuff. Yeah, compliance falls off, yeah. So forgive me here because I thought that buteka was something that you had to, you know, continually practice like meditation. Is this not the case? This is not the case. <laughs> what, what happens is we've got... Um, the chemoreceptors or respiratory centers in the blood vessels leading to the brain yep. and in the brain, and they get used, it's basically they get used to a level of carbon dioxide in the blood. And if you raise that slightly, and you can, and the, the brain will, initially the, 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 brain, the respiratory centers will say, no, 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 that's normal, I want to go back to the way I was. And that's why you need to do a bit of a training. And I actually teach it over a four-week period and give people homework exercises that they can integrate into their lives. And after that, usually the symptoms have either completely gone away. And this is things as serious as sleep apnea, mm. definitely asthma, sinus, IBS. So, I'll, you know, I'd love to talk to you about the mechanisms of how this actually yes. occurs. Yes, But it, it's, it's permanent. Wow. So, th so this is something that really interests me, and, and forgive my poor review of physiology <laughs> and anatomy <laughs> prior to this podcast, but my memory of the sort of um, capnaic areas of the brain was that they were set for, and I used to constantly get this wrong, they were set for not looking at oxygen, but actually trying to detect rising carbon dioxide. Is that correct? Correct, Mundo. Right. Okay, so yeah, therefore, it's all about carbon dioxide. yeah, and this was the problem in in like patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, where it was it is dangerous to give too much much oxygen because their um, capnaic areas are flipped, and they're now looking for low oxygen, not high carbon mm. dioxide. So if you raise the oxygen, there's no trigger for them to breathe, and you knock them off. Is yeah. That Right. Okay. Yeah. So I am. So, on the so right. carbon dioxide gives the, the trigger to breathe. Now we're really talking only a small amount. Carbon dioxide is toxic, mm -hmm. um, but you never, your body's never going to let you get to that kind of level. Mm -hmm. So we're really, it's all about tweaking it at a very uh, fine level, uh, very very small level. But that's enough to make the difference. Mm -hmm. So the exercises, and there are a variety of them, are about slightly increasing carbon dioxide levels. So for a start, if someone is a mouth breather, and, you know, that's the, 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 the detested mouth breathers. Yes, yes, the they snorers. They are losing the... carbon dioxide. Yeah, well, that's snoring. So there are a whole lot of symptoms or signs that your breathing is dysfunctional. Right. So snoring is one. Believe it or not, 
sniffing and sighing, yawning. These are all signs yeah. that your breathing is not optimal. Right. So, so certainly no one's going to come to see a naturopath because they're sighing a lot. But I'm going well, to know. Yeah. No, that, not really. And what are we going to do about that? Yeah, no. To me, it was one of the the little things you used to look for, though, in chronic fatigue patients is like, did they sigh a lot? And I mm. found it was, it, okay. you know, whether I was seeing that what I wanted to see, I don't know. I didn't have that much, you know, I didn't have a fame, world famous chronic fatigue patient practice, but I just used to notice it. And when I'd ask people, they'd go, oh, yeah. And interestingly, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, yeah. which are kind of like a similar animal, do really well with oh, the Buteyko, oh, okay. really, really well. And they're the, they're the patients that are like really hard work. You know, okay. often it's kind of, you know, because they're, they're not, no one of them is the same, yeah. but they they respond really well. And in fact, Patrick, um, he, he has classes entirely made up of um, CFS and uh, fibromyalgia patients. Oh. And so, yeah, interesting. So if the breathing, and this is the thing, like, I mean, you can tell how excited I get, but it, it may be that the breathing is not 100% of the problem, hmm. but if you can take that part of it, you'll go, you're the rest, the rest, whether you're using herbs or acupuncture or whatever your modality, it's going to be easier for you to then do the, the rest of it. Yeah, it's one of the the top three free nutrients: air, water, sunlight. Um, yeah. So, so here's something that I'm confused about, though. Like I'm thinking about what we would normally class as deep breathing exercises to draw in quote unquote oxygen and relax your body because your muscles are now getting oxygenated blood to the tips of your fingers. That's not all that. how it works. Uh, that's right, and this is ex- going against. So we're not talking yeah, that's uh, not, that's, yoga. No, we're not. And we're, yeah, well, this is it explains physiologically, biochemically hmm. how yoga and meditation actually works. Ah. So what? Uh, let me let me let me explain. Please do. <laughs> so a slight increase in carbon dioxide relaxes smooth muscle. So not skeletal, but smooth muscle. So smooth muscle lines the hollow surfaces of the body. So Mm -hmm. if I'm able to relax smooth muscle of the respiratory tract, Mm -hmm. this is how it can help with asthma. So if you've got a spasming of the bronchioles or the bronchi, um, and, and they're then producing mucus on top of that, then we have, we have asthma. And so if, if, if you're, smooth muscle of the respiratory tree is always slightly more relaxed because of this increased carbon dioxide. No matter what the trigger is, there's going to be a, um, you're going to be less likely for that um, incident, that asthmatic incident uh, mm. episode to occur. So that's how it worked for me. Uh, mine was exercise-induced asthma. Right. I still, at the time, I actually I was a, a, an aerobic instructor, complete with G-string. Don't even think about Sorry. it. It's, <laughs> too much. Um, but, you know, so, so I still exercised, but my bustle was bigger. So the, the respiratory, the smooth muscle lining was always just a little bit more relaxed. So even though there was a trigger, it didn't go into an episode. Mm. And there's the smooth muscle lining the entire nasal cavity. So the sinuses. Um, so this is how we can, we can help with that. So where else is smooth muscle in the body? Well, it's the bowel, the whole bowel. Mm. The esophagus right Uterus, through. Uterus, cardiovascular. The, 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 yeah. Well, so so with, the, with the bowel, where, how it can help is things like reflux. It can help with IBS. Any of the kind of the mechanical spasming of that whole tube 
even and the, you know even the gallbladder is and and the common bowel duct that right. smooth muscle yep. relaxing that yeah you know like it's it's phenomenal. So we've got the bowel, we've got the uterus, as you said, um, and we've got the cardiovascular system. So the, the arteries, and this I, is what, yeah, I'll, I'll catch myself there. I said cardiovascular, but it's actually probably cerebrovascular because you've got cardiac muscle, which is different. But so let's say cerebrovascular. <laughs> well, that's right. So, 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 well, I mean, it's the, it's the, so this is the blood pressure thing, and, yeah. and I have got amazing results with people. And, you, and you, you, you take their blood pressure. I've got with one patient. Uh, it's the mother of a patient in the Highlands, and the blood pressure was over two. Like the systolic was over two hundred. It was like, oh my god! I bet I'd been warned that her blood pressure was this high, and over, you know, two hundred. It's like over one. It was incredibly high, and we did a four-minute exercise, and it went down to one sixty or ninety. Wow! And uh, she was absolutely in t- couldn't tolerate any medication. We had slight dementia, so I actually gave her a, a breathing exercise on a CD. And I got an email this was last year that the blood pressure had consistently been down. And um, so, so, so relaxing, or so if you with an artery, of course, if you've got a constriction, the pressure is going to be higher and relax that smooth muscle. Um, and that's going to, for some cases of blood pressure, lower the blood pressure. And as you were saying, in the brain, you know, so so certain headaches, if they're constricted headaches, then yes. you are going to be able to help those because the, that blood vessel in the brain is going to be slightly dilated. So that's, you know, that's the smooth, that's increasing carbon dioxide slightly dilates or relaxes smooth muscle. So happy days. About that. Yeah. Also, the other thing with um, carbon dioxide, increasing carbon dioxide, is that it um, switches on the parasympathetic nervous system. Right. So sympathetic, flight and fight, parasympathetic, rest and digest. So that's the kind of like the whole the bowel thing again. And, you know, this is what, you know, a large part of my naturopathic practice is um, reducing the effects of stress. You know, however they manifest, whatever the kind of the um, genetic uh, weakness that person has, however that the stress will manifest, if you can reduce the stress hormones, and you do that, and you can see this, um, so uh, you'll give a little exercise uh, that will slightly increase the carbon dioxide, and after a couple of minutes, I'll say, to them, do you have more saliva? Yes, I've got more saliva. It's a sign that the parasympathetic nervous system's been activated, uh-huh. and if you can do that throughout the day, you are going to be suppressing the adrenaline and cortisol, the hormones of stress, and and switching on that parasympathetic. And I, I mean, my, the example for me is like a year or so after I trained, I um I I had done a tree change from a Sydney practice, and then I decided I couldn't actually afford trees anymore. So I then opened up another practice in Sydney. And so on this one day, I'd opened up the practice, which, you know, the attendant kind of Ikea dramas and, you know, yep. dramas with that. Yep. I had had six patients in a row. Then I had, um, this is one, one day, six hmm. patients in a row. Then I gave a lecture at Sydney University at Women's College to 250 people. Hmm. And then... I was doing my master's and I had an exam for my master's. So this is all in the one day. Yeah. And I went from public transport to all of them. And the next day I thought to myself, self, a few years ago, I actually would have been pretty stressed. Really? Yesterday. And I, you know, I did well on the exam and um, I, you know, didn't 
stuff up the, the lecture too much and 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 uh yeah and it was like what's changed have i you know am i taking little pink pills no not now um am i you know do i have a new therapist no yeah. the only thing that's changed was the breathing so so people that you treat or indeed people that you train and then the people that they treat do they get the same sort of results on a on a widespread yep. basis? Not just yep. with asthma, yep. for yep. which it's known for, but also anxiety. No, and... that's right. That's 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 well. That's why I just wow. went, oh my god when I when I when I went over there, it's like this is much more than asthma. Yeah. Um. You know that, and that's it's 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 you know it's stress. It's um it's snoring. So what we're doing is we're we we don't want deep breathing. Mm. And this is the thing people say. Oh, you know, isn't deep breathing good? Well. Deep meaning diaphragmatic, yes, but not big because big breathing means that you're going to be losing that carbon dioxide. We want to slow. And, you know, we don't need to use all of the lungs. We can use two litres of, of, you know, the lungs can hold two litres. But that's if you're running up a hill. You know, if you're sitting down, talking, walking, you don't need to use that. So the the, the Lao Tzu quote of, of the perfect man breathes as if he does not breathe. Right. No, that's really interesting. Yeah, because it's okay. said I've been taught about breathing. It's take a big deep breath in and a big deep breath out with using your mouth. And this is, you know, people have been looking at breathing for centuries. Like the, the word for breath in Latin is spirit, spiritus. Mm. Um, you know, so inspire all of this in our language. Mm-hmm. Um, that in Sanskrit, you know, that like chi is is breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so all of these these that how breathing has been so important through the centuries. We've lost it. When I when I say to people I teach breathing, they go, oh, I'm all right, I'm alive. And I go, well, you know, you can be alive and you die, it's crap. Yeah, yeah. You can be alive and you don't do any exercise, but how well are you? Yes. i got to say, like I had oversimplified, I'd pigeonholed it into mainly asthma. I knew there was some some work on, I think, migraines or something. Is that right? I don't know if that, you know, like that's, that's I, I, sh- I I should. I've got them all, you know, in a file. Yeah, yeah. But it, like, yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, you know, it's, it's just practically. It's insane what it can do. And people like it's in the it's it's in the consultation. This is a thing, you know. You can learn just a quick little four minute exercise, and in that consultation, you don't need to be a Buteyko teacher. But in that consultation, you can teach them a little technique hmm. that, alongside your herbs, alongside the dietary change of taking up caffeine or you know decreasing sugar and things like that, hmm. you are going to make a major major difference. To their day-to-day, um, you know, feeling of well-being. Yeah, Let, and they've l- got control. They've got control. I'll stop. No, 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 no. This just, is see. This is a major thing about control. Down. Giving, giving back the patient control. But I yeah. do have a question for you, and that is a basically. Most of them have got noses. You know, that's the thing. That's right. They've got a nose, and and this is and this is all you need. So, with regards to asthma, when you're looking at, for instance, exercise-induced asthma a major trigger, but then you've got viral-induced asthma as a major mm-hmm. trigger, particularly mm-hmm. in kids. You've mm-hmm. got dust mite allergens and, and other yep. inhaled allergens. Now, I remember speaking to a, a guy years ago who said, you know, the, the therapy for asthma is basically to widen the airways as much as possible. Mm. That is the, you know, yep. twitchy airways and where we want to be agonist. So therefore, what you want to do is widen it medically. What are you going to do then oh. if you've got a pollen? You're going to get more pollen down into the um, arterioles, into into the um, alveoli. Um, so you're actually well, going you're to not worsen if you the product. Through your nose. That's well, you're not, if you, yeah. If you so are this is like your nose that filters everything. That right. So and this so, is the thing. Is like he was saying about buteco breathing having this effect about balancing the inhalation of these 
um, allergens, danders, whatever they are, what, whatever you're talking about. Well, so they don't actually penetrate so much. They're not going to go into the lungs at all if you're breathing through your nose. Right. So then the whole the membrane, the, the nasal the cavity, uh, mucous membrane lining the nasal cavity, mm. which is enormous, it's a third of the skull, if you are using your nose to breathe, any of those um, particles are just going to be uh, neutri- uh, neutralized by either nitric oxide, of which that membrane is the greatest producer in the body, right. um, you know, not more than even the arteries. Oh. And also, we've got lymphocytes there. We've yep. got, you know, we've, if if you are breathing through your nose, you're not going to get those. Um, you're going to neutralize it. So. That's if you're breathing through your mouth, different story, and that's what we teach. You do not breathe through your mouth, gotcha. ever. Gotcha. Okay, so going further, a little bit further. So you've still got an allergen to somebody that that might react to a pollen or something like that. How then do they treat that part? Well, it's not. It's 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 like it's okay. The trigger may, and this is the thing that you may still have a trigger, mm-hmm. but because the ambient. Uh, stage of the smooth muscle is always more relaxed, mm-hmm. more open. Then the trigger may, um, you know, constrict it a little bit more. But right. it's it generally it, it you know it depends. And I mean, I'm not talking about anaphylaxis, yeah. But just that you know, a general, I have a dust allergy, whatever. I, it's it's it's. We're not saying you are not going to be an allergic person. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is you're not going to react. Right. As much. So the twitchiness of the airbase, but I'm, I, I guess where I'm going with this is the inflammatory component of asthma. That's, you know, you know, you you get your um your relievers, which is your beta agonist type medications, um, um, and the newer forms. But um, now you then you've got the preventers, so your steroidal type things to yeah, decrease the, the chronic I mean, inflammation. You're going to need need. I mean, and that's where the like the studies show decreased medication. Both, um, of both, you know, the preventers and, and the and the dilators. Yeah, really, preventers and, as well. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely, absolutely. But you see, this is but, defined by like sorry? peak flow monitoring or spirometry, or like you can use yes, less. I but mean, does it? What's their actual lung well, you've health? You've got less symptoms. You, you 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 can you decrease. I mean, the the medications decrease. The symptoms decrease. So mm-hmm. the symptoms decrease. So it doesn't. You you. It's not going to. Because the smooth muscle is more relaxed all the time, mm. then you're going to, you know, there may be a trigger, but it's not going to constrict the level right. where it did before and then the mucus production on top of that. Yeah, right. Okay. So so then, I mean, I would always espouse objective monitoring of something like asthma, particularly with, you know, what I used to commonly see when I was nursing was people would say, oh, my asthma was really bad last week, but now it's okay. Really? What did you do last week? Mm. Last week, I mowed the lawns. This week, what have you mm. done? Nothing. I've been sitting in my chair. Well, of course, it's not, you're mm. not going to get as many symptoms. So we need to look at objective monitoring, something like, you know, peak flow monitoring at home, spirometry every now and again, whenever you can get a GP to do it. Um, yeah, sure. But how many times do you need to use Ventolin? You know, you can and uh, and with hay fever, how many tissues do you? You know, you can you can do it uh, more okay. simply. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. No, I haven't needed to use my Ventolin at all. Uh, then I say to them, you know, and of course, when you when you're teaching, you just say, please do not stop your medication. Yeah. Of course. But you know, if if they say, well, I was using my Ventolin you know, four or five times a day, and now I'm not using it at all, I say, well, now's the time to have that discussion with your doctor. Uh-huh. Can we start maybe reducing some of the um, steroids? Yeah, with with using objective monitoring like peak flow or spirometry, yeah? Yeah, 
sure. Yeah. And, and just symptoms, you know. Yeah. And so we've spoken about anxiety. Cardiovascular, though, where you've got cardiovascular issues where nitric oxide will relax the smooth muscle, but if you've got an atheroma there or a fatty streak, then you're starting to actually impinge on the relaxed, the relaxability, the elasticity of um, sure. the, the arterial. And I mean, you know, as I was saying, but, but I mean, it, it's also the capillaries. So you're, mm. so you're, you know, opening up the capillaries so you've got more blood, blood flow, therefore nutrients, therefore um, oxygen. But Andrew, so then finally what uh, increased carbon dioxide does is um, initiate the bore effect, B-O-H-R, mm. after um, Neil's, no, not Neil, Neil's bore, Neil's Christian bore. Oh, Christian bore. Niels Bohr, uh, Christian Bohr was Niels' father, and Niels Bohr was the got the Nobel Prize for uh, understanding the atomic structure. So his father, Christian Bohr, right. uh, discovered this technique or technique, uh, this um, physiological effect, uh, whereby increasing carbon dioxide releases more oxygen into the bloodstream. So you've got uh, your hemoglobin globin on your red blood cell carrying oxygen and it's bearing the so from the lungs we're breathing the gas exchange the carbon dioxide goes out through the lungs the oxygen comes in jumps onto a hemoglobin molecule on a red blood cell travels around the body and it's the presence of higher carbon dioxide which will mean that the oxygen will leave that hemoglobin molecule more readily and that's known as the Bohr effect. So regardless, and this is with someone with COPD, um, is this is the benefit. We're not, um, you know, if that lung tissue is damaged or compromised, um, the breathing's not going to change that, but it's going to change the amount of oxygen available in the body and brain because of this bore effect. I'm wondering about with regards to acidity, and we, okay. we, we, right. we, we, we get this yep. common naturopathic yep. theory about measuring acidity, the body's yep. acidity. And I have issues with this. Where are you measuring that? <laughs> okay. Okay. So we measure acidity in the, in the, in the blood via the anion gap. So, yep. you know, you add your, your, your potassium and your sodium and you subtract your bicarbonate and yep. your chloride. Yep. And then you have your anion gap and you kind of want it to be about 10. All right. Yes, Absolutely. CO2 is an acid, but what the the thing where, where the anion gap just doesn't measure it's it, it it is measuring the other metabolic acids, right? right? And right. these are from the food, these are from stress, yes. these are from inflammation, yeah. and that is going on intra and intercellularly. I'll stop. Um, and the blood, the blood is this snapshot, and it's going to be, it will be, um, you know, the bicarbonate ions are going to be mopping up any acid all the time, all the time, all the time. So it's when, when naturopathically we're talking about someone who's acid, uh, we want them more alkaline. We're talking really in the in the cells. Well, that would well we'd like to, but we're not measuring that. We're measuring urine and things like that. And I just wonder how reflective of the actual intra and intercellular state these measurements that we make is? I think the anion gap is a pretty good indicator of that. So yeah. the, the, and the breathing, the change that we're doing with the CO2 is really marginal. 
you know, it's it's instant, but it will have these. What we're doing is we're we're wanting those um, respiratory centres to be um, kind of just acknowledging that that little bit more of carbon dioxide is okay, and that's what we that's why we do the exercises. Kind of like we're changing the habit, we're changing that a habit of sometimes a lifetime, and so so it's not it's it yes, carbon dioxide is an acid, but it's going to be mopped up real quick. Um, uh, neutralized by, by carbonate ions. So it's, it's this moment by moment change. So we're not making the body more acidic. Yeah. Because of its elegant control mechanisms. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, um, I know, I know this is a, is a question that comes up. So it's, it's, um, and it's not a major amount either. We're just talking a, a tiny shift. And that's, oh, I gotcha. guess, what health is. It's like, like, let's move it just slightly. Um, so look, you know, this is the carbon dioxide theory of how this works. And I, I actually, I was, you know, Rosalba Courtney. I, I had a conversation with Rosalba, who did her PhD in Pitaco. Gotcha. Um, and uh, and you know, she she's she's thinks that there's more than just the carbon dioxide to this. And I just think that there's not been research on any level uh, yet. But you know what? Uh, it, and, and this probably doesn't satisfy a whole lot of people, but it works, mm. and I get great results, mm. and I'm, um, you know, happy days. Yeah. What about things though that aren't due to what we'd normally think about? You know, breathing and the cerebrovascular system, where we, we commonly think about nitric oxide working and having an effect. What about things like pelvic floor issues? If the bladder is twitchy, yeah. so you know, there's something called irritable bladder syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you know it can help with that. Yep. But yeah, no, sure. I mean, if if there's if there's pelvic floor weakness, is the breathing, you know, is not gonna, it's not gonna help. And then and this is made worse by stress. So yeah, of course, you know, <sighs> the musculoskeletal stuff. But I mean, you know, the other the where where and this isn't strictly Buteco, but I can't teach a breathing course without talking about diaphragmatic breathing. Yes. So if you're using your diaphragm to breathe, the real breathing muscle then you are not going to be using if, – if you don't use the diaphragm, then you are using the accessory muscles yes. of breathing, which is the sternocleidomastoids, the scalenes, and the trapezius. So when people say, I, I store all my stress in my shoulders, I say to them, well, probably not as smarty pants as it sounds, but I say to them, no, you're probably just not using your diaphragm. Right. And, and, so, and this is bruxism and temporomandibular joint pain. Oh, Really? You know, yeah, absolutely. If you can relax that sternocleidomastoid, if you can, the scalene, right. if they're not used right. 30,000 times a day yeah, yeah. and you're using the breathing muscle yeah. and the breathing muscle, the diaphragm, oh, back to pelvic floor, thank you, yeah. perfect segue, the, the diaphragm will activate the pelvic floor. Right. It's a kind of a, it's a bag. And so using the diaphragm will actually help with the pelvic floor and the core. Right. I just have so many issues with core, yep. I can't tell you. Yep. Uh, because we use, we should, the core should not be on all the time. It's, it's, the belly should be soft and people, relaxed. People so, get the core wrong. They think it's this hard thing. How do you run with tensing your muscles all the time? How do you do mm. um, backward flips by tensing your gut muscles? <laughs> It doesn't work. The core is stability. The core is flexing. The last time I did a backward flip was (laughs) (laughs) my last life. (laughs) But I I remember hearing um, Professor Paul Hodges, a physiotherapist at UQ, talking about this, just going that, you know, like runners, they just get this concept of core wrong, that we need to have something that's flexible and 
malleable, pliable, but and the strong. The core switches on when you need it. That's like right. If you're lifting, your core should automatically go on. Mm. So this is this is um, yeah. I, I talk a lot with. Uh, I have a lot of osteopaths. I have a lot of physiotherapists um, come and do my course, right. and I, I learn. You know, it's like oh great, coming in and just teach me too. Uh, but that that I that the diaphragm. If you've got the diaphragm working, that actually helps the pelvic floor. Yeah. Uh, because it's just this bag, the, the pelvic floor is the bottom of it, and the and the and the diaphragm is the top of it. Mm. Um, so you know, if you're using that, you're 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 not using those um, the neck, the the shoulders, the and and so things like uh, grinding of the teeth yep. and um, yep. temporal mandibular joint pain, which people spend thousands and mm. thousands of dollars on splints and things like this, like mm, yeah. you know, uh, and wow. and then just that how that where the tongue is. Uh, you know, helps with the with the with the position of the jaw, and that opens the airways and softens the breathing. So, I last year I did a um, uh, sleep medicine course at Sydney Uni, mm. and uh, who were the inventors? The one of the professor who taught us was the inventor of the CPAP machine. So I was in kind of enemy territory, <laughs> but I didn't let them know what I, what I did. But you know, that this breathing opens up the upper airways, wow. and so for things like sleep apnea, yeah. which is you know, people. A huge, huge you know, issue. It's, it's a huge problem huge associated with diabetes, um, you know, uh, heart disease. So, you know, reducing sleep apnea because people do not want to use fifty percent compliance with a CPAP machine, mm. and the CPAP machine is kind of the benchmark. But people spending thousands on that, thousands on dental splints, and just by changing the breathing, you can really um, improve, if not take away sleep apnea and snoring. Okay. What about structural impedance of the nasal passages? I mean, obviously you've got a physical well, if thing. If you've got right? a bony, if it's a bone, if it's a septal deviation yeah. Yeah. and bone, you know, bone, bone cartilage, no, probably needs surgery. But if it's soft tissue, so if it's polyps, uh, any soft tissue swelling, absolutely this will, this will, it will help. You know, help so, with that. Yeah. Okay. So without, obviously this is something that people evidently have to learn, obviously, and um, you know, we're going to talk about where they can learn from you um, a little bit later. But just you, before Andrew. before we get into that, a couple of little hints and tips and techniques maybe for our yeah, practitioners just, just to whet their appetite. Okay. Here's my first question. Yeah. You've got a polyp, mm. polyp in the right side of your nose, totally impeding mm. um, um, airflow. How do you then initiate Buteco breathing when you're trying to get past a physical muco, mucoid um, obstruction? Well, if that person can breathe at all just if they will probably be mouth breathing because yep. they'll find it easy, easier yep. Yep. if they can breathe at all with the mouth closed that will start the process gotcha because we're already not losing so much carbon dioxide if look you know I guess if someone is totally blocked up maybe we do steroids to, to or you know that, that that to just reduce it so that they can then start the, the process of breathing through their nose mm. And then, then you can start. So, a little uh, an example is what we call a reduced volume breathing, and that's blocking one nostril. So, if someone, um, you know, I was picturing this last night, someone did have a polyp, and you know, that's the nostril you block. Right. Uh, and then, and then you can start slightly occlude the other nostril. So, this what this is doing is increasing the carbon dioxide. It's it's uncomfortable mm. for sure. It's yep. um, not it's not a comfortable, um, but it's very, very powerful medicine. It's very powerful message to those chemoreceptors yeah. um, to be okay. You know, basically the brain saying, what the, just take that hand away from your yeah. nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it takes a little bit of 
are getting used to. Um, to and then, but, but then people start to say, oh, my nose is so much clearer. Over what time period do you get these these effects? 30 seconds. Really? Yeah. But over what time period do you do you see benefits in asthma and things like that? Mm, two weeks. Wow. Yeah, look, I know, but, you know, it's chronicity severity. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but, no, I mean, you know, just, just like this is it. This is why I'm, I can't, like, oh, my God. Yeah. These, these are really some really powerful, um, mind-blowing effects. People just... You know, it's and you can get that. You can you can see some of that. You know, like like like, well, we'll always you know what's your anxiety level out of ten? I'll ask them. You know, it's with ten being a panic attack, and, yeah. and yeah. like like last night's one was eight. I did a four minute um, small breath hold exercise. It went down to four in four minutes. You know, and I'm not saying that when she went home, she's a mother with dementia, and you know, sounds like life's pretty difficult. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying that she's not going to then, but you know, she, that what I what I had told her. I mean, she felt you could just see the difference um, in her face wow. after that. And so, like, just do that throughout the day as much as you can. Yeah. You don't have to do it for four minutes. Just small breath in, small breath out. Right. Hold the breath out for a few seconds. What we're doing is increasing the carbon dioxide. What we're doing is switching on the parasympathetic nervous system, suppressing the release of um, adrenaline and cortisol. So you do that. You kind of uh, do it in spurts during the day, and then it's going to be more, the body likes to be calm. And so we're, we're, we're and as opposed to this kind of um, ongoing, when when people are stressed, and Andrew, you will have come across this too. The adrenal glands get kind of used to it. It's mm. Like, okay, mm. the stress may have left the building, but the adrenal glands are going up. Well, this is what we do. This is this is how we this is how we live. Yeah. And it needs a re-education to then change the normal this homeostasis. Wow, way. I got it. So, with regards to research, I mean, obviously, you know, the, a paucity of high quality research to convince yeah, medical yeah. practitioners. Who's doing the research? Who's controlling this? What are they yeah, looking yeah. at? Where's it heading now? Yeah, fantastic. No, we are just this. Look, I was reflecting this the other day. When I started naturopathy 30 years ago, this is where Biteco is now. Wow. You know, it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. And anyone who comes in contact with it, like, this is amazing. Really, this is amazing. And it's like, mm, no one knows about it. Everyone thinks it's, you know, baloney. But and and yet, Until I remember being it. A, but I remember it being on the um, uh, website of was it's it the politics. Asthma Foundation or the National Asthma yeah, Campaign yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. Some years ago, I can't find it now. Andrew, I I know this is you know like just between you and me. I don't know. And the, po- you know and, the and the listeners it's, of FX Medicine. <laughs> and the listener and our and our listener. <laughs> and our listener. It's politics. It's politics. Wow. So the yeah, someone wanted to kind of own this is I I am bringing out Patrick. I bought him out last year. I'll bring him out this year. I want everyone to know about this. Absolutely. And that's what that's what happened. And I think that that is what happens in certain industries, particularly small ones, there's politics, people want to own it yeah. and um and not share it. Or just kind of like greedy. I can't, you know. I can't believe when you've got serious issues like sleep apnea, people spending thousands, and and the worst thing is getting poor compliance. So where that's a known poor compliance, um, and you've got something that might help them. Yep. Surely any reasonable GP would be investigating Buteco breathing. I just don't understand it. Well, I mean, I have, I have, I have quite a few GPs who refer to me and right. um, send their patients to me for sure right. and dentists because it's, oh, it's, it's, I'm going to be I'm going to be cynical mm. but 
the splints cost between two and four thousand dollars. The CPAP machines cost between. Two. It's an it's industry. industry. It's yeah. a huge industry, and the C and the CPAP world. It's like every single student. They're doing so many studies, so it looks amazing. Evidence based. It's, it's yeah. It's it's totally it's totally yeah. and 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 I'm in the same position as thirty years ago, but you know, but it actually works. Yeah. Wow-wee. It actually works. This little bleat. And, you know, so, so I'm, I feel like, you know, naturopathy's come so far as we, as we, as we began. Here's yeah. a call for you, Mim. You know how you've done your master's? I'm too old. You need no, to do I your PhD. I'm a, I, I'm a, I am a dinosaur. I am a dinosaur and I don't have the energy time. I'm not an academic. Right. I'm just, I'm not academic material. So Rosaldo Courtney? Like, this is what... Rosalba did a PhD in it, yeah. um, and, and Rosalba, you know, no spring chicken either. I mean, no, she's got more energy than I do, possibly. <laughs> but I, but um, you know, this is absolutely where we need some research. That uh, an allied profession is orofacial myology. Right. Am I talking too fast? I'm talking no. too fast. Anyway, um, orofacial myology. They're doing the research, and they're doing the research on exercises for the throat, um, mouth, and showing that that that. Uh, what journal was that in? But that has been showing to reduce sleep apnea, and people are watching that. You know, what's this space? So, um, Duteco and orofacial myology are actually often taught uh, together. Wow. And I did an orofacial myology course last year. Mm. And so, you know, strengthening the muscles around the, the pharynx, um, it, you know, uh, keeping because they get lax as we get older, yep. just like every other muscle. Yep. And so, the, you know, those exercising and also. Um, softening the breathing because if you're like the the Bernoulli Bernoulli effect of you know sucking on a straw a hard like big breathing or snoring you're going to narrow that airway yeah yeah got to narrow that that tube so if breathing is gentle and soft uh, it's going to like be like you know the the airway is going to be more open and um, you know reducing snoring and reducing sleep apnea so you've mentioned that you're bringing Patrick McEwen out to Australia where can for a practitioner, yeah. Where can international practitioners learn more about Buteyko breathing from reputable um, sources uh, like Patrick McEwen? And also what's happening with Patrick McEwen and Buteyko breathing in Australia? Can you take our listeners through what's happening internationally and Australia, please? Well, internationally, Patrick is the leading Buteyko um, practitioner in the world. Gotcha. And he travels incessantly. Like the man is home in Ireland like two weeks a year. He is uh, talking at sleep conferences. He's talking um, dental conferences. So he's, he's in demand um, all over the world. And so I'm, I'm you know, absolutely uh, blessed you know, like, to um, be in contact with this man. And, and then he made me a fellow of his organisation, which is very nice. But I'm really committed to widening the... Uh, this knowledge in Australia. So he came out last year, as I said, and you know, various practitioners. We had a number of dentists. Like dentists are very quite interested in this, but you know, it's such a good thing for a naturopath. It really adds to your practice. It's Absolutely. Like it's not a very you. You don't need to. You only need to teach a couple of little exercises, and you're going to really, um, you know. Value add to your treatment. Yes, absolutely. So, physio, physio. A lot of, I, I teach um, a lot of physiotherapists. In fact, I teach at um, um, uh, physiotherapy practice. Um, I don't know whether you know Louis um, Anna Louise Bouvier, quite a well known physiotherapist, and I no. teach all her physios, uh, like wow. eighteen, twenty physios, and they integrate this into their um, their practices as well. This is awesome. And. 
Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. So, it, like, as psychologists, physiotherapists, dentists, dental hygienists, and naturopaths, you know, and massage therapists, it's fantastic. You know, this this is little tiny little extra little thing you can do, which is really going to make a big difference on top of what how you know whatever your modality is. So, I really thought it was just going to be a little string to my bow, but. I'm obsessed now. Um, But, you know, I think it can really value add. So, you know, even doing one of my – I do courses for the public and um, the two organizations, ATMS and NHA, they give um, CBD points for practitioners doing my little four-week course. And that's, you know, a lot of – doing it for your own personal reasons if you identify with any of those conditions. Um, And I've got a checklist on my website. Oh, great. Um, Yes. So what's your website where we where practitioners well, can get further information? If you go to mimbeam.com, M-I-N-B-E-I-M.com, yep. and yep. go to the Buteco, it's a it's about to be changed into a fantastic website. But it's still <laughs> serviceable at the moment. And Patrick uh, McEwen's so, clinic is, uh, is that butecoclinic.com? Is that where you find Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yep. So for international listeners, butecoclinic.com. And for Australian listeners of FX Medicine, go to mimbeam.com. These will obviously be up on FX Medicine website um, post-haste as soon as we get those up. Um, and we'll Thanks for put, the ad, Andrew. Oh, my pleasure, Mim. I've got to say, you know, you've been so devoted to the naturopathic profession for so many years and the, the be-all and end-all of it is that you write books, you, you know, you teach people how to make medicine their food and food their medicine, you teach people how to take care of them, you teach people Buteco so that they can transform their lives and you do this for the patient, for the, pe- mm. for the welfare of the people and this is what I love mm. about you. So, well done. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Don't forget to visit fxmedicine.com.au for today's show notes, extra research and other resources. FX Medicine is your gateway to news, resources and information on the safe, evidence-based approach to practising complementary and integrative medicine. Visit fxmedicine.com.au to sign up for e-news and stay up to date with the latest research, podcasts and industry information.